year, Tim. Oh my goodness. What, what a, a year. year. <laughs> 2017. Yeah, man. I feel like uh, all the pressures on us, uh, living mm-hmm. in our neighborhood, caring for our community, yeah. life at our church, uh, relations with the family, like everything intensified this year. Yeah. Um, but in the middle of that, we were able to start this podcast. Mm-hmm. Talked to a huge number of great guests. Did we start this year? We did, right? Yeah, we started back in like the end of June, early July, somewhere in there. I know we started recording. We actually started recording like in May. Yeah. Built up a big repository of interviews and then yeah. took off. It's been, yeah, gosh, it's been almost, it's been like over half a year now. Yeah, and there it's have been a lot of, like our guests have been amazing. This yeah. is really the experience of like recording this, talking to people I, I admire about what they're reading has really like changed me in a lot of yeah. ways. It's been a lot feel, of good conversations. Yeah, I feel really spoiled. Like I feel like we've been really fortunate to have some really amazing people yeah. and I don't know, it's just been it's everything everything's gone better than I could have thought that it went. Like as far as yeah. interviews and guests, it's just been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. But we're making history today. <laughs> this is the first uh, this is the first podcast we've ever recorded without an intelligent person in the room yes yes we've, we've, <laughs> it's just me and tim <laughs> we don't have our crutch anymore yeah <laughs> we've been we're on our own we have we're no life our, jacket we're no born to be wild <laughs> um but what we wanted to do was get together and just do a recap of our readings in yeah. 2017 yeah i'll say we don't have it's not that we don't have a guest because we couldn't find one we i'm really excited we've got a few people lined up for the near future yeah um, that we're really pumped about. we thought it'd be fun to just come together and have like a debrief of the year of 2017, what we read, what we experienced, and just kind of talk about a few of the standouts of the year. Yeah. So, uh, but before we do our own, we, we just want to honor our guests. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we sent out a thing and asked a couple of people uh, what, what their best reads of the year were. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, we had two, two listeners who responded. Um, Kelsey Smith said she enjoyed Godric by Friedrich Buchner. Hey, Kelsey. <laughs> so thanks for writing in about that. Yeah, and... yeah. And uh, Kaylin Thomas uh, responded to us on Twitter uh, and was so – and these books, it's funny. I mean, all these books that have been mentioned are books that I'd like to read. But um, uh, Kaylin Thomas gave us a few of her favorites of these that really stood out. Um, City on the Verge by Mark Pendergrast. Um, Class of 65 by Jim Alchmutney. I don't, I'm not pronouncing that <laughs> We didn't at review all, the correct. pronunciation of any of these. I've, and I had we, that thought yeah. like a week ago, like maybe I should check that before. And then <laughs> after that, I forgot to do it. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, Class of 65 is a book title. And then A Place at the Table by Susan Rebecca White. Those are her three uh, recommendations. So, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, sending in your recommendations. We really appreciate it. And these are two people that are just. Uh, really, really, really awesome people. So uh, yeah. they might might be, you know, on in the future. We don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So uh, what we want to do this, the way we're going to do this is we're going to kind of recap 2017. Now we've, uh, it varies. I think Tim reads more current material than I do. Slightly, but very, yeah. very little of what we read was actually published in 2017. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so we're going to come up with fake categories or we're going to make up categories to, to allow us to talk about the books. So, yeah. for example, <laughs> my favorite book that I read in 2017 that came out in English in 2017 was a book called Thus Bad Begins mm-hmm. by Javier Marias. And it started this whole – he was my most read author of the year. Usually when I read – when I read – like I try to read an author's body of work or a good sampling of mm-hmm. it. So if I start on an author, I'll typically read several of their books. But Marias was completely captivating. I didn't nice. ever have to 
I never had to push myself on uh, to the next book. And, um, and so I started with uh, Thus Bad Begins, which is a current book, and kind of worked back through his catalog yeah. and read uh, six different books, six different novels by uh, awesome. him. Including the three-part spy novel, which is excellent. I highly, highly recommend it, called Your Face Tomorrow. Um, but he's an author who will, like, he's got a Henry James thing or even back to Balzac. He's very, like, uh, connected with the history of the novel. So he'll introduce a character or an idea and then kind of muse on it for, like, mm. several pages, sometimes more. <laughs> and just, just kind of, like muse on it then return to the plot or mid scene as he's contemplating something you're all of a sudden in another scene but it moves very like uh, uh bolaño talked about his uh literary imagination being really full and rich and so i found that with marias so this stuff was good this week and and um the reason i found it so nourishing i guess partly was because of uh in our political climate there are a lot of like personal relationships that suddenly become tense because of politics. Mm. And he was he's writing from post-Franco Spain and sort of reckoning with that time that Spain went through where it was under this regime that was radically different from ordinary life. Uh, and so now the people were trying to figure out how to normalize again with all their mm -hmm. relationships and how to normalize within like political structures that had been like very violently abused by certain people and then how do you relate with those people when all of a sudden the fury dies down and you just have everyday life again uh mm -hmm. so really uh informative as uh i think we're going through we've mentioned we're going through a season um in terms of politics and in terms of uh in terms of people groups being divided mm -hmm. against each other and age groups being divided against each other and people with different I ideologies being divided it's like it's like that's really intensified in the season if the dust settles and when yeah. it settles like what will life look like for us and so marias was kind of like for me a way to th look at that and think about yeah. it before it comes so that's awesome you know i was looking through mine as you're doing that and i was like i don't i just realized i don't know if i did actually read anything that came out in 2017 i <laughs> i but it's funny because i feel like i read more current stuff than you but i yeah. wonder i was looking through um the closest one and I, I feel bad that i actually don't remember the years either 2016 or 2017 i would call this my favorite probably nonfiction slash current events or current issues um book um, is a book called Nobody, uh, Casualties of America's War on the Vulnerable from Ferguson to Flint and Beyond. It's by an author, Mark Lamont Hill. And um, I'm, I, maybe I kind of went into it thinking, okay, you know, I've read uh, The New Jim Crow. I've read a lot of stuff. I kind of like had this peg, like this might just be a lot of stuff that I already have read about. It might just be kind of this more piling on what I already know. Like, is it really going to – Yeah. Um, Am I really going to learn anything new from this? You know, kind of had a cynical, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, huh, man, it absolutely, it was a fantastic, because you know the Jim Crow obviously fate deals with mass incarceration, and I feel like nobody kind of it deals with a lot of aspects of just normal cult, normal life, you know, in society, in a um, culture, yeah, yeah, in our culture, um, whether it's you know just uh, real estate, you know, whether it's um, you know being um, you know uh, you know the Second Amendment, gun control, and how there are so many different systems in place that have gotten there very carefully very deliberately um to uh to keep to keep certain uh, ethnicities certain minorities behind and uh the way that it goes through each 
each kind of step of the way through history a- until now to show you how we've gotten how we got to Ferguson, for instance, yeah. um, was really, really powerful. And it really, even even places where I already thought I had a lot of understanding or some understanding, it totally um, mm. surprised me and um, just, I don't know, reframed a lot of things that I was already thinking about. So it, it's a fantastic book. Um, I highly recommend it. And it's, and it's a kind of a quick read. It's one of those reads where you're kind of locked in and you just keep going. I feel like the new yeah. Jim Crow I had to put down a lot just because it was so overwhelming, and this there yeah. was a lot of a little bit of narrative here and there, and it was, um, it was a really really powerful work. So that's probably my favorite most recent nonfiction slash current issue <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah, well, let's talk about something we both read. Uh, I would say the the in twenty seventeen the best novel I read with a cover that would make you think mm. it wasn't a very good novel um was actually a series of four novels elena ferrante's mm-hmm. neapolitan novels now all the covers have like women in billowy dresses like <laughs> looking out at the sea with children around them or yeah like, with, a husband yeah. or <laughs> yeah and apparently the pictures the covers have been like selected by the author because mm-hmm. she wanted to create this uh dramatic importance to ordinary lives of of women but mm-hmm. uh but to me, they're kind of misleading about yeah. the content. And mm-hmm. it, this series of novels follows uh, a close friendship between two women who grew up mm-hmm. as little girls in this uh, poor Italian neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, as they grow into people, it just shows all the different pressures that uh, poverty, that cultural forces and politics put on these two individual lives and mm-hmm. their relationship as they grow. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a powerful and um man, the how how she how she was able to combine the 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 power and just the the tenderness of a genuine and actual, you know, friendship relationship but yeah. within that, yeah, within that structure of of poverty and with all the s- systems in place, family dynamics, yeah. friend dynamic, you know, other relationships, other families in the community, other business owners. It's so it's hard to even I feel like anything I say is just not really silly, but it just, yeah. it was just so well done to the point of there'd be certain moments where characters would be talking or having a dialogue. And it just, you could think there's no other thing that that person could have said or done at that moment that makes total, like you just, it's almost like you know the person, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. they totally would have done that. Like, yeah. which sounds silly because they did do it because it's in the book, but it just, you see that you hear certain things that have been said, like, ah. Oh, Leela would totally have done that. Yeah. What a Leela thing to do. Or, you know, like it was it was crazy. So it was yeah. a fantastic one. And work. the author is it's a pseudonym. Yeah. And there's like all this, you know, online you can you can go down the rabbit hole of speculation about who <laughs> Elena Ferrante is. Um, but you get the feeling it's almost like this is her life. I don't know. <laughs> it feels yeah, almost autobiographical. Like it's it's so oh man, just I mean, little nuances, little yeah, subtle moments, I and mean, it just can be so powerful and it's it's a really I actually so it's not my twenty seventeen favorite, but I actually finished the third just at the beginning of this new year. And yeah. uh oh man, it's it's and, and in that one even getting into politics. It's yeah. it's beautiful. It's it's such a great yeah. work. And one of the things that's really difficult in fiction is like, is this gonna be a novel? about people Mm. or politics right so Mm -hmm. like you have a you have a certain like in your head a certain idea of what a political novel is like and a lot of times it will skirt uh the real humanity of individuals or uh for for the sake of uh examining a Mm -hmm. political idea or but this is one of the great Mm -hmm. i think novels where it really fuses 
the like characterization mm -hmm. and story and humanity yeah. mm -hmm. like the irreducible humanity yeah. of people yeah. acting under different political yeah. forces with a real awareness of those yeah. forces and i have to say like it was one of yeah typically i think when you think of politics now you think of you know republican you think of each party has their certain side and you you take you strip away any personality yeah from it and i feel like in the book you know when they talk about just you know not to spoil things but like you know um, I guess it was the 70s, maybe, you know, between yeah. uh, strife between, you know, communists and fascists. But you see how intensely personal those politics are and why people arrived at those conclusions yeah. of communism, of fascism. It's it's really, really fascinating. And so yeah. you don't you don't immediately just, you know, brush something. Oh, it's that person's fascist. I, I can ignore everything they say. But you kind of understand the background of how they got there. And it's yeah. really powerful. And the tensions within. Oh, yeah. Uh, like. Oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah. So those were pretty great. Yeah. Well, how about how about um, what are some unexpected things like maybe if maybe Ooh. in 2016 you didn't think you would read it in 2017. Yes. Mm, that's a good. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll give one. I and this is not a criticism of like of a graphic novel genre at all, but I've in the past I just didn't. It wasn't typically a go-to genre, and even now I still don't read a ton of graphic novels. But this year there was one series, and so this would probably be I consider like in my 2017 my you know favorite graphic novel series of uh, of the year um, was the March series written by John Lewis, um, and it's one of those that, like in 2016 I may not have thought much of, but 2017 a lot of things become very relevant and prescient and like okay timely yeah and um, and it's it's literally it's three books March book one through three yeah and it's his um, it's his life during the civil rights movement and. And it's kind of the it, it, it man we're talking about Fronte and personalizing politics. This does the same thing. It personalizes these the politics, the conflict behind the civil rights movement. Why people made the decisions that they make to to you know to um, to break you know to law you know to break laws to to go into restaurants where they were not allowed to do certain things that yeah. as a as a black person you are not allowed to do um, to peacefully protest and break these laws. You see how they came up with that idea and the kind of changes that those made, the kind of sweeping, very monumental changes, just a bunch of yeah. ordinary people who just knew they needed to do something did. And it's, it's, uh, and it's, it's amazing. And I love the way they, so they kind of, most of the narrative is set in the sixties back during the movement, but you, every once in a while you get these little flash forwards to John Lewis now and his, you know, work in the white and uh, work in DC and um, just going back and forth, yeah. seeing where he is now and what had to, happen for that to, to huh. ha what had to happen in order for him to be where he is now it's it's a really beautiful series and it's one of those like i obviously i might you know my kids are seven and younger i don't think i could read to them now but it's something that i think is approachable and accessible for younger people and it's probably even in, i'm ignorant it's probably even intended for maybe teens I, I don't really know if that's the case but i could totally see a teenager someone younger reading and learning a lot from this i think it's a yeah, wonderful work, and it's something that I want to I would I want to revisit and eventually yeah show my kids. It's it's really really powerful. Yeah, and this might be because of the diversity of our neighborhood, but what I'm seeing both in literature and in TV shows and in uh, a lot of stuff that's going on in the world right now is this new generation that mm -hmm. coming up. Who I'm I'm very excited. Like I love yeah. the kids right now. <laughs> they're cool. Uh, they are more politically aware and engaged mm -hmm. than anyone I knew as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, like, schools are, or they're organizing, like, you know, demonstrations, and kids in schools now are, like, on different, like, civil issues, and mm -hmm. it's just, um, the stuff I'm seeing from 
the young people in our neighborhood is just really exciting. I feel like yeah. there's a new yeah. generation mobilized, mm -hmm. and it's cool to find books that can can connect with that. Yeah. So um, that's been yeah. an exciting thing to see this year. Well, the, my my big unexpected um, read this year was actually a. Uh, I started getting into a mystery series, and actually the reason this is a surprise is because it has nothing to do with anything that's going on in my life. Um, but it was Joe Nesbo's uh, mysteries, uh, the Harry Hule mysteries, and I had to ask a, a, a Norwegian uh, student um, how to pronounce the detective's name, but it's Harry Hule. And they're just these like real grisly, dark Norwegian wow. Uh, crime stories. One of them, uh, Redbreast, was I brought it on a vacation. I went to the Philippines to visit my family, and it was it was like uh, that was meant to be like a vacation read, but mm. it turned out to be about uh, neo Nazis. <laughs> and this was right, you know, well oh, Charlottesville man. and everything. So you can't like I could. It wasn't really as escapist as I thought, <laughs> but I really enjoyed those. And actually, I've decided in my reading to pepper in. Uh, a lot more pop literature, oh, nice. um, you know, quality stuff. But for example, this year I'm reading a lot of Stephen King, and and uh, I'll keep going with those Harry Hule mm -hmm. mysteries, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, have James Elroy on deck. Mm -hmm. I just I've decided that like just reading for the pure pleasure, or reading for like uh, reading that's a little more detached from mm -hmm. my everyday concerns is uh, is well. You know, it fits well within yeah. as long as I'm also reading the stuff that mm -hmm. uh, is going to reframe yeah. uh, important issues to me. Yeah. So Joe Nesbo was the That's big awesome. surprise awesome. Uh, for me. Nice. Another book we both also read was mm. Emma the Captive. Oh yeah, yeah. By Cesar Ira. Uh, Ira, oh man, anytime, any man, anything I read of his, I, I jump on. I love, I love him a lot. Yeah, and it's along the lines of oh, I didn't make up a category for it. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, that short novel. I yeah. don't know, <laughs> um, but it's it's uh, it's another one of those that uh, because it blends the personal and political so yeah. well, um, it's very difficult to know what's he saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the the main character Emma is really uh, an unpredictable and irreducible. Mm -hmm. character yeah but it's basically about this oppressed woman mm -hmm. at the beginning of the book she's enslaved and her relation to power in a yeah in a, oh man yeah in argentina um and uh so that's definitely worth reading and, mm -hmm. and exploring i think we both totally yeah i oh man ira um so you know emma the captive he so ira is one of those authors that like i feel like you can get to know him pretty well, pretty quickly, because his books are, are incredibly short. I mean, you know, 80, 90 pages, maybe. Yeah. Um, and he's got a wealth of, of things that he's written. And it's all so varying, and yeah. um, but all has that element of there's some sort of, you know, tether to reality, but there's hints of it not. It's it's that sort of like, you know, I don't I hate stereotyping and just calling it that sort of magic realism that we know about, you know, with a lot of South American authors. I hate pigeonholing it but yeah. there's elements of that but it's different too it's more contemporary i don't know how to <laughs> goodness i i don't know i don't it's hard to describe it yeah. you could probably even say it way better than me i don't know is that uh, what, what I am would... i <laughs> yeah. i know i'm not saying something right like, i feel like something's missing they're really they're like they're like these like really aware fantasies mm -hmm. right yeah. so mm -hmm. they're these fantasies but they're 
He says he says if he uses ideas, it's only for their aesthetics. But I feel uh, like yeah. there's a real like deep interest in looking at things carefully mm-hmm. and turning them around and buy yeah. and and to do that he sort of changes yeah. something about how the world works. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. in one of his novels, um, How I Became a Nun, mm-hmm. the gender of the narrator is kind of fluid, like it switches. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, no one, it's not a sex change or anything. It's just, it's just yeah. sometimes it's like it seems male and sometimes mm-hmm. it's female and sometimes, and it just switches. So that's kind of his way of looking at the the. Mm-hmm whatever he's looking at in that yeah. book. And so yeah. all of his have like a little twist on reality mm-hmm. um, that's interesting. And they're all like kind of delightful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fast reads. Very fast, very engaging. We just read one recently that's I wouldn't I wouldn't put it near the top of my Ira list, but it's a fun read about a girl um, kind of talking with and getting to know, I guess, a couple of anarchists. And uh, that's I'm <laughs> punks, just going to leave it. Yeah, a couple yeah. of punks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a bl- it's it's one of those it's it's not doesn't have anything huge but it's just a blast to read and it's a really quick read and it just goes off the rails and it's really fun and um he ha- yeah I, I ira's he's a he's one of those i feel like whenever i go to like an independent bookstore i always look for ira that way i let and just buy something even if it's something i might have already read but i don't own just to let the bookstore know hey keep this guy up here you know like yeah, i don't yeah. know like keep him coming you know yeah. we, we love because i think what he releases at least like a book a year probably more than that yeah so new directions usually new directions is the publisher and usually yeah. they'll translate like he has over 90 books out new directions yeah. will just pull like mm-hmm. a few of them a year yeah i think last year it was the proof the one you're talking yeah. about and mm-hmm. uh the little buddhist monk was another one yeah um and then dinner maybe dinner. earlier on oh, the yeah, year yeah. which is like mm-hmm. a zombie oh that oh my goodness i forgot about yeah i think i read that one this year too yeah another yeah so just 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 leave it at that there's zombies but uh, it's it's, but it's it's hysterical it's fun uh yeah ira is definitely a favorite yeah well did you do any like did you do any kind of topical studies this year or like sort of read along a certain line you know i i feel really bad i i feel like this year i bounced around a lot but i hit a lot like i hit a lot of certain things um you know, I think a lot of, you know, when I'm talking about nobody, I, I hit a lot of kind of African-American studies or books that maybe I should have read. Yeah. But I haven't, like uh, The Souls of Black Folk by W.E.B. Du Bois. Yeah. And uh, um, and uh, James Baldwin, I read a couple of his works. Um, one of them, uh, Notes of a Native Son. Yeah. And um, just to, I feel in the past, and this is not, you know, obviously there's no intention behind it, but I feel like when you when you're kind of raised on the classics being... White old men. white men from the past <laughs> exactly you just don't really you don't you don't really think a lot about diversity you know yeah. it's just like oh this is what's presented to you and so trying to break through that a lot more um and, I, and i've been doing this over the past few years for sure but this year i kind of tried to emphasize it even more and so you know a lot more uh women authors um yeah a lot more african-american authors and it's and uh, like i said specifically dealing with um with the past with not just within our you know the culture you know the united states that portion of history but just all throughout the past and so um yeah. and i'm trying to get better at that and so I, I still feel like i don't do enough but just yeah. any sort of like kind of knowledge and and dubois was was uh amazing that was that book really really stood out a lot and it was really incredible uh but james Baldwin too just i mean yeah the man the pro i mean it's just uh, incredible works and so i highly recommend yeah. those the other his poetry is really good too and i think i think yeah. i think we think of him uh mostly 
as like a voice on on racial mm-hmm. issues, but his yeah. as a person, like as a like his in- intellect and uh, way of voicing things, his his poetry is just uh, breathtakingly beautiful. Um, well, my my I sort of my topical study uh, this year was uh, was on Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So someone told me, oh yeah, a friend told me, uh, "Zealot" by Riza Aslan was really good, mm-hmm. a good book, and and so I was kind of interested in and uh, and some of it felt like I don't know, like as someone <laughs> who identifies with Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, as a Christian, uh, some of it felt. Uh, like a new angle on things or, yeah. or things I hadn't considered before. There was some that was really valuable in terms of historical context, yeah. but, um, but basically that book troubled me. And so I went and mm-hmm. did more study on it and, and, uh, studied a lot of different sort of historical Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, books. And then towards the end of that study on, uh, how historians view Jesus, mm-hmm. um, I read a book by a scholar at Emory, uh, Luke Timothy Johnson, called The Real Jesus, and mm-hmm. talked about sort of like, here's the value of that quest for the historical Jesus, here's what it misses, mm-hmm. and here's how like people who identify with wow. the movement, the Christian movement, would uh, would approach the questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that was really that was really sort of a helpful book for me, um, in that like I can I can do this search yeah. right, I can yeah. do the research. And there's a lot to be gained from it, but um, I'm not exactly searching to I to identify a historical figure mm-hmm. as a contemporary Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm seeking to live in a community that mm-hmm. embodies, you know. Yeah. Um, so that really helped. That really helped me reframe that. And then I did some other uh, uh, contemporary Christian authors like N.T. Wright and mm-hmm. Scott McKnight yeah. uh, uh, have some have some good perspectives that helped a little bit, but Luke Timothy Johnson was really where my, uh, the climax of my, (laughs) (laughs) of my, uh, study on, on Jesus this year. Nice. Speaking of Jesus and Christianity, uh, one of my, uh, books, I don't know what, what category I maybe would put it in, maybe like favorite book I should have read a long time ago or, uh, favorite book, (laughs) every struggling, uh, Christian should read. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I where I'd fit it. One of those. Um, I one of the first books I read last year um, was uh, Silence by Shisaku oh, Endo. Yeah. And I didn't you reread it? I think. Yeah. I read it. It's funny. I read it in preparation to uh, watch. You know the Scorsese film. You know that. And you made. didn't watch so I, it. I've never. I've I didn't watch it. it <laughs> I guess I need I to see it at some too. point. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's. I, I've watched it at some point. Um, but it was one of those books I've heard about for a while, and I just oh, knew yeah. I needed to read. And this is not, and it was like kind of perfect timing because, you know, not only the movie was coming out, which kind of prompted it, but also, you know, Trump had just got elected. Um, 81% of people that I would kind of consider, I'd be in that same, somewhat in that same category, you know, evangelical white male um, voted for him. Like a whole huge number, you know, it it was, it made, it made, you know, and talking to people who are in the same boat, like feel really out of place and really like opposed to themselves and like yeah it was like what what's wrong with it just felt very like the dissonance and the issue it just was really uh troubling couple months after that like it was a i mean oh, it's yeah. still something that we're dealing with um but it was it was tough and um so this book uh was just a wonderful you know silence that were you know the, of the title you know the title was talking about you know 
God's silence. I mean, and yeah. it deals with uh, uh, two Portuguese mission Portuguese, yeah, missionaries yeah. Um, in the mid-ish, some 1400s, maybe like 1430s. I, I want to say I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Um, traveling to Japan um, to find their kind of mentor, another missionary who supposedly had like recanted on his faith. Um, yeah, and they're trying to get it. They they don't believe it could be possible. They're like, this is insanity. Um, how could, you know, this can't be true. He's such a strong, you know, believer. He's so <laughs> firm in the faith. And so they go to get to the, not only to find him and help him, but then to kind of get to the bottom of what, what's going on. Um, and it's just a moving yeah. portrait of, the, of them seeing the conditions that people, you know, believers, people that were living in, you know, because Japan had outlawed Christianity, you know, Christianity had come in, but then Japan had seen, okay, this is not jiving with our culture at all. Yeah, it's, it sort of died on Japanese soil. Yeah, they decided to outlaw it completely. Um, and so there's this real—I don't know if—I don't know if it's a true story, but it, the, the backdrop is true. The historical yeah. backdrop of of the um, of Japan. Yeah. Um, but just seeing them, uh, seeing these two uh, missionaries go in and kind of see what's happening and ask the questions, ask these really huge questions of yeah. seeing people suffer. You know, in the name of God, you know, yeah. while being believers, like why, why is this happening? Why are you not? Why is God silent during this? It was really, yeah, powerful. And I, actually, though, like I came, I I revisited Endo's mm-hmm. silence, and I also read during the study I was doing mm-hmm. about books about Jesus. I read his uh, A Life of Jesus. Oh wow! Oh um, wow! Which was an interesting, like, if a Japanese, he's a Japanese uh, Christian. Mm-hmm. What, and he's wrestling with why this never took mm-hmm. root in his culture and trying to, from the historical record and the canon, like figure out uh, how to present Jesus in a mm-hmm. way that will resonate with, with Japanese readers. It's wow. really interesting. So That's awesome. I really want to read that now. I forgot <laughs> you had, yeah, I forgot you remembered you telling me about that. Uh, but yeah, I highly recommend it. And it's, uh, it's granted it lasts a lot more questions than it answers but it's a it's a beautiful yeah. work and uh yeah maybe we'll see the movie one day yeah I don't know. we'll see maybe 2018 <laughs> is the year yeah speaking of rereads uh my best reread of the year i i it was a tie between silence and what is uh what was and still is after rereading it my favorite novel a river runs through it mm. now whenever i like whenever i mention a river runs through it people are always like oh yeah the movie with brad pitt <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad, I think. I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Like Silence, you know, I read the book and I felt like I don't know if it would be enhanced by mm-hmm. seeing it on the screen. I probably yeah. will eventually. But, like, this book, like, sort of defies all the all the norms in, like, literature mm-hmm. at its time. It's Western and most of, like, most of sort of high literature in America has been on the East Coast mm. with a few like Wallace with a few exceptions like Wallace Stegner and um, those guys but like this is set in Montana you know mm-hmm. and its subject it seems is like fly fishing and uh, but there's this like there are no chapter breaks it's about a hundred pages long but it just goes like it picks its territory and it goes all the way through it mm-hmm. And it's like, is it autobiography? Is it uh, a novel? Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of both. And then there's also like, not in excess, but with like deep wisdom and patience, he kind of mm-hmm. stops to tell you what things mean, yeah. like as the story is being told. 
And I just, I think there are some like kind of intangible things about it that make it my favorite novel. But one mm -hmm. is like the amount of grace for, for like failures and blindness and uh, missteps in human relationships. The way the book uh, acknowledges like the divide between people, the way I can't imagine your experience or mm -hmm. I can, but I can't get inside it. Yeah. Uh, we can never fully know each other, mm -hmm. but we can still love fully. That's one of the yeah. insights of the book. And, and so like wow. just the things that are central in that book are sort of values I'd like to have regardless of what's going on in the world around me. Like mm -hmm. know that, know that people will be mysterious to us, but we can still love them. Mm -hmm. Um, know that our failures, uh, don't make relationships a waste yeah um and that and that like you can go all the way through things mm -hmm. i don't know like as yeah. a novel it's just really beautiful in that yeah. way so that was my best reread of the year other than uh silence which mm -hmm. is one of my favorite novels as well yeah that's awesome on a on a very small side note i won't talk much about this but my my fa <laughs> my favorite book title of the year <laughs> goes oh, yeah. to uh, marguerite dura's book destroy she said <laughs> i i yeah. can't exactly recommend the book itself it, it's fine i mean it's not i don't know I, di I didn't love it it was okay but the title man it grabbed me so uh that's that's a favorite title of the year for me <laughs> Yeah, so what's coming up for you in your reading life? Do you have a stack Ooh, of books waiting at I'm, home? You know, or what's 2018 going to look like for you? Yeah, it's I've got a stack. Stacks on stacks. Uh, <laughs> no, know. it's one of those. I, I, I'll never catch up. <laughs> I feel bad because, yeah, my the amount that I need to read versus what I have read, it's it's bigger. I mean, I've got so many books. I mean, I've got bookshelves. Yeah, I've had to make kind of makeshift bookshelves. Um, so right now I'm just kind of pulling from that. And it kind of, and I've kind of organized it where it jumps from fiction to nonfiction to yeah. like old. Um, I received for Christmas like a, a a set of eighty small kind of classics through the year, you know, through, you know, the past you know hundreds of years, um, and they're all you know within thirty, fifty pages. So I want to jump on those and just kind of reread some old stuff. Um, well, not reread. I'm sorry. Read just read through um, some work from the past. Um, but I really one of the one of the authors that you talked about like going through and one thing that i really i think i've started doing because of you is i used to tend to just read a book and i really like it. oh that's great awesome and then i just kind of not really looking at the author that much anymore sometimes yeah. i do differently but um i really kind of want to get into an author and really study that author and yeah one of the ones i don't have any of his books yet but i'm, I'm planning on hopefully this year at least starting this is um the author that actually a, a recent a guest on our podcast megan leach recommended um carl ove nosgard nosgard yep. <laughs> i um, that's another name i i'm so sorry i won't get right but um he has you know he's a book he's working on six works that, you know called my struggle and they're ostensibly you know his autobiography he he still calls it fiction but yeah. you know basically his life um and uh, he's working on book six right now or no it, i'm sorry five have been translated in english i think the six hasn't yet and then he also has a book of of uh set of four books uh basically letters to his daughter hmm. and that just i haven't read them but they sound really beautiful and so i think he's someone i really want to kind of take a deep dive um into and i'm really excited yeah yeah so that's well, kind of there's i mean there's always a wide variety of other things i'd like to read but that's kind of maybe in the forefront that i've been thinking a lot about recently but yeah we'll see where where i go yeah well i had really noble intentions <laughs> getting into this year you know uh um Cornell West and Tanahasi Coates had we yeah we still need to do that yeah do that little, soon had a little uh, uh, Twitter beef mm -hmm. uh, 
And I guess it started with a, a piece uh, West wrote uh, for The Guardian, right? I, uh, yeah, I think so. Sort of calling out Coates. And mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to read both of their work and mm-hmm. sort of like read along those tension points yeah. uh, and see see if the difference is as wide as West portrayed it and uh, if there's, you know, and what the what the thoughts are on either side of that mm-hmm. tension. So yeah. I'm hoping to do some reading along those lines. Yeah. And then, uh, um, and then uh, Saul Bellows, uh, The Adventures of Augie March, which I haven't watched yet or read yet. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to reading that. I read a lot of Bellow like four or five years ago and just love his prose. And also I'm, I've lived in Chicago and mm-hmm. I just love like going back there without yeah. actually having to deal with the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had all these things on deck and then, Oh, also cultural dictionary of punk. I just really got into oh, punk nice. this past year. I loved, like I was listening to a lot of the cramps and the mm. dead Kennedys and, oh, yeah. um, uh, like Fugazi and mm-hmm. minor threat and all that stuff. And, um, so I got a, a cultural dictionary of punk to read all this really good stuff. But then, like, I had an itch also to read Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And all my other ambitions have just gone by the wayside. <laughs> like, already this year, I've finished three and a half books by Stephen <laughs> King. And uh, and uh, just been really enjoying those. And I think what they do with their, like, they kind of, like, have enough of a thrill to mm-hmm. them. Like, they're fun. They're well written, you know. Yeah. He's a good writer, but they're fun and they have enough of a thrill to him to yeah. really be an escape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's dealing with some things that are like worth considering, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't say I read it for any kind of revelation about mm-hmm. human nature or anything <laughs> like that. I just read them because they have this thrill to them. They're really well constructed. Some of them, yeah. like uh, Salem's Lot uh, or Salem's Lot, however people say it, uh, it's just a like really well constructed horror yeah. novel yeah and uh it gave me chills at some points you know yeah. it's like oh, as close to legitimately scary as i think <laughs> any book i've read and then uh and then um his short stories are like so whimsical it's almost like he like any premise that comes mm-hmm. into his head he develops into a story so <laughs> uh i've been enjoying his work and i think i'll i'll read actually quite a bit more of nice. it this year i want to uh and then it is like an insanely big mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's like a brick of a book yeah. so uh i'll probably i hope to read it that that might be one of the longer books awesome. i read this year yeah. um and then i have a lot of stuff like i have a lot of stuff on deck that i'd like to get to ann carson is a poet mm-hmm. and has has done some translations of ancient yeah. greek dramas uh that i really like javier marias who was mm. my most read and i would like to read him this year yeah, yeah. for sure he was my most read last year, and I hope to, you know, I hope to keep. He has so many novels mm-hmm. out, so I hope to just keep yeah. reading those. They're, they're addictive in a, like a completely different way from Stephen King. Yeah. But it was like, it was like as soon as I finished a Marias novel, I didn't really feel like going on to something else. I felt like getting another another one of his mm-hmm. novels, and because yeah. they get they get you in a certain like frame of thinking and mm-hmm. rhythm that's really, yeah. So that's awesome. That's what's coming so, up for me. Yeah, so I, I definitely want to do the the. I know we talked about it before the end of last year, but the Tanahasi Coates and uh, Cornell West. I I I feel I feel horrible admitting I don't think I've read almost anything by West unless it's like a an essay or something. I haven't read. I don't know. So yeah. that might be something fun to, 
to to do. What what do you think? So we're talking about twenty eighteen, our reading books. What about and this might this is on the spot. This is just something I had yeah. while we've been recording. So yeah. if it doesn't work out, it's totally fine. But um, thoughts like where do we want to take the podcast? Like or 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 as yeah. far as like what? Because I can think of one just off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I'm hoping this year and this I think we tried a little bit this year, but nothing ever really came up. But I'd love to try to find ways of including listeners more finding ways of like mm-hmm. like kind of today i was really excited to get some feedback yeah. about you know what people's favorites of the year i'm going to try to find ways of kind of including responses what what people are reading in our listening kind of community i don't know yeah. what that looks like but it'd be fun to try to find ways of including getting some sort of way to the dialogue maybe even just back and forth of what yeah. people are reading and what they're enjoying currently yeah, well, there's some particular guests I hope to have on. Some we've been talking mm-hmm. with who we haven't uh, been able yeah. to finalize uh, interview time. I know within the like running community, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Green, who founded Yeti Trail Runners here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, really want to talk to him and get him on the cast. Yeah. Um, Ted Terry, the mayor of Clarkston, mm-hmm. yeah. um, a local hero here in our community, Yahimi Cumberland. We're yeah. you know we're trying to mm-hmm. uh, connect with some people. But I think in terms of direction, like we changed our theme music, so it mm-hmm. was like, it was like a punk song yeah. with samples <laughs> of uh, MLK and John Lewis. I think yeah. that really embodies where we're hoping yeah. to go, which is like, which is not like kind of a stale, uh, esoteric reading yeah. podcast, but one that's like, one that's like you can really feel that like what we're talking about and what we're reading has like, has is like rooted yeah. in terms of community and place mm-hmm. and yep. um so finding more local heroes and yeah. and that kind of thing and we really do want to f- feel like um uh i think we want to feel like a breath of fresh air yeah. so like mm-hmm. um you know energetic kick you yeah. in the teeth kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> yep oh yeah <laughs> kind of stuff i'd also like to one thing i'd like to do this year and we'll see if this happens is is get um get guests uh with whom we have some disagreement yeah on the podcast mm-hmm. and have yeah. like good constructive conversations with mm-hmm. them um yeah so i think we'll be working on that a little bit too yeah so. and that all sounds great yeah i'm excited <laughs> i'll tell you what the last i don't know i guess this is what episode 17 i don't know what episode this is but um i've been really encouraged and i feel like it's i think we started kind of with a general idea but it's been fun to see where it goes without us even really trying like just kind of seeing where it takes us and it's been really fun so far i really enjoyed it a lot and uh yeah it's been great yeah well uh from the very beginning this podcast Mm. has been about place and community and so we want to thank atlanta vintage books for giving us a place and a community in which to read and talk and um, this is really more than a bookstore, you know, it's yeah. a place where knowledge is shared, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. by people like face to face, but yeah. also by voices from the past yeah. and, and different, uh, so we've been recording here in the metaphysical reading room. Yeah. We're just really grateful for yeah. it. If you, if you listen and stop by, you know, mm-hmm. be sure to mention us because yeah. you'll get a 10% discount yeah. on your purchase. Yeah. Yeah. This bookstore, I feel like I, our podcast hinges entirely on this. I feel like Ian and I, we kind of talked about an idea, this general idea of a podcast about reading. But I think the one thing that kind of kept us from going anywhere with it was the lack of a place. Like yeah. where we would record, we couldn't do it in our homes. It was just too loud with kids and with the, yeah. it just nothing really worked. And so I think we sat on this for a while. Yeah. And so I don't know what, what came over us, but one of us was just like, 
hey, let's do it at ABB. Let's ask them. You know, we were there enough anyways. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like this really is what brought everything together. I mean, it, it, it there's so much uh, weight on ABB. Like, they're they're kind of responsible for this in some way. Like, they're, it's, it's yeah, we, we owe them a lot. We're yeah. very grateful. From watching my kids yeah. while we're recording <laughs> to giving us LaCroix and oh, yeah. letting us drink beer in a bookstore. <laughs> I mean, and right, I feel like a lot of our books probably were recommended from people here. Like, I know Megan recommended Ferrante. Yeah. And it was at that time where, like, I was, I saw the cover. We were talking about the book cover, and I knew, but I knew Megan. And I was like, you know what? I'll trust it. Yeah. You know? I'm like, yeah. I'll trust that recommendation. Even though I was like, uh, really? If I had seen the book cover, I would have ignored it completely. Yeah. Um, so stuff. Anyway, so this yeah, the bookstore is just wonderful. So please, yeah. please, if you're in Atlanta, stop by, and uh, they're they're great people. And I guess that's it. You know, as always, you know, you can connect with us at whatareyoureadingpodcast.com, and uh, there you'll find uh, the podcast in different ways. You can subscribe to the podcast in different ways. You can kind of connect with us through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all that fun stuff. So yeah. um, that's it. I guess we're gonna end with a fun quote. You want to do it, Ian? You want to do the honors? Yeah, this is from okay. <laughs> Steve Martin. Uh, actually, he delivers this way better than I ever would. But he says, some people have a way with words and other people, oh, uh, not have a way 